So let me pray for us, for those of us in this room who call themselves followers of Jesus, because today's word is gonna be somehow delightfully easy and brutally hard. How's that for a setup? Jesus Christ, Son of God, we pray that we would be able to receive the invitations that you have for us today. Jesus, help us to receive the words that you have for us today as we desire to be aligned with your kingdom, aligned with your way. We wanna be known, Lord, like the first followers of Jesus as people of the way. This, this sort of bizarre alternative tribe of people who are here to be a blessing to the world, who walk, who are here for the world, but are not of it who operate on a different wavelength, one of peace, one of love, one of grace, one of mercy, one of righteousness, one of justice, Lord. So help us. In Christ's name, everybody said, amen. Amen. I'm just going to talk for a few seconds and then I have the distinct pleasure to welcome up uh, a very old and very good friend of mine, Dan DeRezzo. Um, some of you know Dan. Dan uh, is on the leadership team at uh, the Newport uh, Home Church. And, um, oh man, there's so much I could say about Dan. Uh, he has just been a, a, he's been a gift to me throughout my life. Uh, he has been somebody who reminds me to slow it down, to take a deep breath, to chill out. Things aren't that bad. Uh, and then he and I have also gotten to like extraordinary fights. And it's been a gift somehow as well throughout over the years. It's been a while though. Um, so I wanted to, um, before Dan comes up, I, I gave that whole kind of intro here uh, around the kingdom of God, around singing You Are My King for, for a reason. Um, because as I said, th this word that, that we kind of have for you today as we've been going through a series on rest, the art of rest and talking about Sabbath and talking about solitude and stillness, that sometimes it's the easiest things or it's the things that we most, let me say it this way, the things that we most easily agree with are often the, the hardest. The things that we most easily go, I don't expect too many of you to go, oh man, I don't like this. This is one of those reasons I don't like this church because they're talking about simplicity today. They're talking about like, hey, be careful how much you own. You know, things you own end up owning you. Like, I don't expect anyone to cognitively disagree. But if you're anything like me, there are things that I agree with so easily, so quickly, so immediately lock into some version of mental agreement that it actually creates an illusion that I am doing that thing because I agree with it. Right? Anyone else? I'm looking for feedback today just because I'm insecure. All right, so... Anyone else think it's good to care for those that, um, and maybe you're one of them today, uh, who just, who, who do not have a lot of resources. Good for care for those who, who, are, who are hurting financially. It's good to care for, for let's just group them into that, that word, the, the poor. How many would say it's good to do that? How many of you would say it is accurately reflected in your budget every month that you value that thing? Like if you looked at my budget sheet, you'd be like, yeah, clearly. You wouldn't even have to hear the person go, I really care for the brokenhearted and the poor. 
You can, you, they wouldn't even have to hear that explanation because you would see it on their budget sheet. That's why a talk like this today is, is difficult. It's why whenever we talk about being under King Jesus and wanting to know what it is to walk in his way and his rule and reign, um, it challenges us. And it challenges us for this reason. Every person I know, again, wants abundant life. They want life to the full, the life of the ages. Anyone else want abundant life, what Jesus calls abundant life? We're just going basic here. Oh, yes, abundant life would be good. The life of the ages would be good. Jesus says this, um, he calls a life, um, uh, a, tr a true life. Like the, the life that we're called to be. In Luke 12 then, he addresses one aspect of what it is to live this abundant life, this true life, this life of the ages, this life in the kingdom. He said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist. So he's been talking to them about abundant life. and We're about to get what this abundant life doesn't consist of. So the best possible way to live is one of the things Jesus spends most of his time talking about. I just want to make sure we're really clear on this, right? This is what he spends his time getting into. And he's so, so he's about to say, well, here's one thing that this abundant life, this rich life, this kingdom life, this life of the, of the heavens does not consist of. It doesn't consist of an abundance of possessions. Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So the person thought to himself, what, what, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Modern parable. I got a huge bonus. Anyone else got a bonus? Nope. What will I do with this extra bonus, with this extra harvest? What will I do with this pay grade? Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. I will put more of that in the bank. I will build a bigger house. That's a good investment. None of those things are implicitly bad. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. By the way, we love that phrase. That phrase comes from the scriptures. That's like the origin of it. And it's not said in a positive way. God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Abundant life, life of the ages, the best possible way to live. Your best life doesn't consist, according to Jesus, with an abundance of riches. Matthew 6, 19. Do not, Jesus takes us further. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve, he goes on to say, both God and money. This is what I love about Jesus. And this is where I want to land us as I invite Dan up. It is Jesus just cuts to the chase. He goes, I want to invite you to live the best possible way to live your best life in this rule and reign with me being king over your life. This isn't about you. This is about this bigger thing that's going on in the world. 
And when you get in line, when you seek first the way of Jesus, when you seek first the kingdom of God, when you seek first this abundant life, it says everything will be added unto you. You won't need to worry. Trust me, it's a better way to live, better way to live. And so then when he says, look, don't store your treasures up for yourself. Don't do this. Don't get into this. Because you actually can't do it. You can't participate fully in the life of Jesus and be burdened down by possessions. Jesus is a master in just cutting to the chase, is he not? That's why a lot of people love Jesus who aren't even like, they're not followers of Jesus. But they love just how he goes right for it. Just simple words. He will not let us engage in fantasy. Where your treasure is, he says, your heart is also. Where your treasure is, your heart is. That's cute that you say you value those things. But if it actually doesn't show up in real life, I do not care what you say. I don't care what you post on social media. I don't care about your virtue signaling. I don't care like the cute and clever quotes that you return on Instagram story. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I would love to deal with you in reality. So let's get down to it. And let's ask questions that might cause you to thrive and flourish. So we could talk about greed, we could talk about money, we could talk about consumerism, but what Dan and I want to get into today is simplicity, and I want to give you a definition. I think I have it up on the screen here. A Christian uh, uh, definition of simplicity. This is from Richard Foster. He calls simplicity an inward reality that results in an outward life. So it's an inward thing that results in an outward life of joyful, unconcern for possessions. That sound good to anybody else? Like a joyful, would anyone like a joyful unconcern for possessions? Somebody get a tattoo of that, a joyful unconcern. So this is simplicity, Christian simplicity. Can we give it up for Dan? He's gonna help us dive deeper here. This is his first time. Can we give it up for Dan? Uh, a quick shout out to my beautiful pregnant wife, wherever she is, somewhere. Um, so just really quick, I'm going to be preaching myself. Um, it's ironic that I'm talking about simplicity today. In the past two weeks, we've ordered more on Amazon than I've bought in the last five years of my life. Um, so I feel a little shamed by that. So give me some grace. We're nesting. We have a baby on the way. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought forth nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of this world. Timothy 6, 6, 7. Then I saw that all toil, all skill and work comes from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and striving after the wind. Ecclesiastes 4, 4, 8. The stuff you own ends up owning you. You're not your job. You're not how much money you have in the bank. You're not your car. You're not the contents of your wallet. You're not your expletive khakis. Tyler Durden, Fight Club. Yes, had to re- I had to reference it. So whether it's ancient Hebrew scripture or modern pop culture, there's obviously this common thread towards simplicity and freedom. Simplicity. So we know this just by a basic observation of human nature, right? It's in culture, it's inside of us. 
we see anything but simplicity, right? It's everywhere. Bigger, better, more. Rampant consumerism, excessive waste, apathy, boredom, addiction, discontentment, anxiety. And yeah, we're the, we're the privileged Western society. This is the apex, the epicenter. Ground zero for it all. We were born into this complexity. A lot of this isn't our fault. This is all we know. It's funny, I was going to go down this rabbit hole uh, of uh, facts and numbers and statistics, right? I kind of love those things. Uh, you know, 50% of all the food that's produced in the world is wasted, right? Like we could feed the world three times over for the next five years straight. The money we spend, if we took 10% of what we spent on our possessions, there'd be enough to have clean wells across the entire world. Like we love that stuff. We love that stuff. But uh, I, I was telling my buddy, uh, I don't know if you guys watch a lot of documentaries on like, I, I don't know. So like veganism, global climate change, consumerism, like I'll watch that and you'll hear all these statistics and I'll feel like very woke for a second. Uh, I'll feel very, you know, transcendent, right? But I, I, I don't know, like 10 minutes after, I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I'm like literally more paralyzed by it than I was before. Um, I don't know if that's just me. So, uh, I realize it's more pervasive than that. It's more obvious. Like, I don't have to go down that line. We feel it in every way. It's in our bones. It's an existential angst. Yet it's so hard to name it. It's so hard to call it for what it is. You know, it's like telling a fish it's swimming in water. It's just everywhere. So on the flip side, on a lighter note, there's pushback, right? Like we see a simplistic movement happening, right? Art, design, Scandinavian minimalism, minimalist blogs, tiny house movement, van life, my personal favorite. Let's be honest. We love the idea, right? Who doesn't love the idea of living simple? Mindfulness and everything. Everything you buy is just thought-provoking and your resources are so in line with your ethics. It's actually my theory that we hate options. This ties into a little bit what Andrew was talking about last week on limitations. We think we like options, but we really don't. Do you guys ever open like a Chinese food menu? It's like 18 pages. Like I, I don't even want to like eat at that point. Shopping, even like vacations. I, I've had like miserable vacations because it's too open-ended, right? Uh, we were talking about this at small group the other week. As we get older, we're like, ah, oh, I, I wish I had like this blank canvas in life when I was like when I was young. But then I look back on like middle school, high school when I didn't have a job, and every day was that open ended, and I was actually like paralyzed by it. Like, oh, do I call my friend? Do I go this way? Do I go that? Like, you had no idea what to do. What is it about simplicity? I'm reading this little book right now called uh, Journeys of Simplicity. Um, it's basically, it's a book about the great sages and the hermits and mystics in life. Everyone from like Jesus to Gandhi to Mother Teresa, John Muir, Henry David Thoreau. And it, it connects how much they changed the world, the impact they made on culture, and the possessions that they had. 
And I was like, this is crazy that like a book like this actually exists. In fact, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the picture of Gandhi's possessions. It was kind of popular for a while. We might actually, hey, there it is. Um, so this is Gandhi's possessions um, after he died. This is what they found. Isn't that amazing? Like when you think about how much Gandhi changed the world. We love this stuff. When we think about these great people, the Mother Teresas, we implicitly know they didn't have a lot of baggage. Like there's something to that. What is it about simplicity? Why the longing? Why do we see the calling and the warnings against the opposite? And if it's so good, why is it so hard? So personally, this topic has had a lot of resonance with me. I, uh, as we've kind of been going through silence, solitude, Sabbath, rest, limitations, these disciplines have been like unbelievable for me. And I'm like super psyched to end it on simplicity. Um, though I've been a Christian my whole life, I realized looking back on it, a lot of it was plagued by just anxiety, just being discontent, just consuming, going from one thing to the next, traveling all the time aimlessly. This is, by the way, before I realized what the Enneagram was, and I was a very unhealthy seven. If you guys know what that is, a little inside baseball. Anxious, lonely, aimlessly wandering. It was in the height of this chaos, God stopped me in his tracks, in my tracks. God began to slow me down, and I began to actually observe my life. Where was my peace? Where was my joy? Where was my freedom? He began to show me the destructive patterns and asked me, what kingdom are you building? You say you love and follow me, but where is your treasure? I began to see my things and my resources and surroundings for what they were. My life was cluttered. What I was lacking was presence, awareness, stillness, and the sacred. Matthew 6, 26. I think we've got that up there. Um, for those of you in the church who've been kind of doing this Jesus thing for a while, this is like a real classic, right? Some of us have this thing memorized. Matthew 6, 26 through 33. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. Consider the lilies. Look at the birds of the air. You know what God said to me in the midst of my chaos? You're not considering the birds. You're not considering the lilies because you don't see them. 
And if you don't see the birds and you don't see the lilies, you don't see people. And if you don't see people, you don't see me. You don't see the breakthrough. You don't see what I'm doing. You don't see the peace. You don't see the hurt right in front of you. You don't see the simple things. Because of the clutter in my mind and in my heart and the things around me, I could not see. And then it says, therefore, do not be anxious. I think we over-spiritualize our anxiety sometimes, right? I'm being attacked by demons. God, what, what's happening in my life? Is there sin? Are you testing me like Elijah in the wilderness? I don't think it's that, right? Sometimes it's just way more obvious than that. Sometimes it's just the stuff we're thinking about. Sometimes it's just there's boxes in front of us. We can't see the good thing beyond it. Christ knew our hearts so well. He knew how distracted and obsessive we would get over the most material things. What is your kingdom? What kingdom are we building around us? Our exterior conditions reveal our inner heart conditions. Where your heart lies, your treasure also. What's in your garage? What's in your closets? What's your next gadget? What's on your Amazon list? Again, this is not like an anti-stuff message. This is not like anti-consumerism. I mean, maybe just a little bit, but it's not necessarily about the physical stuff. Like, I want to enjoy God's good, beautiful things. Like, this is good. This is good. But our outer simplicity will directly affect our inner simplicity. So this is super practical. The less we obsessively collect, the less we strive to maintain. The less we maintain, the more it frees our lives up. The more our lives are freed up, the more available we become. The more generous we become. The more we see our calling. The more we see people. The more we see what God is actually doing. The more we build God's kingdom and not ours. Do you see the birds? Do you see the lilies? Do you truly see people? Do you see the pain? Do you see the breakthrough? Do you see the suffering? Do you see God's goodness? This journey of simplicity uh, I've seen firsthand change so many people's lives around me. So many of my friends going through this transition of letting go, and I've just seen the fruit, the freedom, and the strength that comes with it. And I know it's changed my life to be present, to see people where they're at, to serve, and I was missing that for so long. So however this might look for you guys, May you find joy and the freedom in that letting go. Amen. Uh, I'm going to welcome Andrew up, and we're going to talk practical stuff. Dan, you got to tell everybody about the van. You got you to talk to the people about the van. Um, so, there's actually a subculture of van life in this room right now. Um, St. Martin's, Anderson's, uh, Pat Brown, um, yeah, it's actually taken over the church, so 
<laughs> I recommend everyone get out of their apartments and join the van movement. Have you um, seen, have you guys seen a you guys see, we have a picture of the van. There's van life. And then inside, there's a, there's a little inside picture, I think, too. Hey. Yeah, hey. <laughs> Provocative. But, <laughs> That's Dan's, never mind, it's Dan's wife, yeah. <laughs> um, Dan, what, you mentioned a bit, like, can you, do you have any other details or any other things you'd share around how this, how this is, why this has been so liberating? Why um, taking Jesus up on his words um, to, to consider, to consider, to consider, to um, to slow down enough to see, to declutter enough to see. Like, what have you in your inner world? Like, what have you noticed? What fruit has this all produced? Yeah, I think again, going back to kind of what I touched upon, like, it's so hard for us to be in the moment. It's so hard for us to be in the now. Like, we're always on the next thing or regretting the past. And I realize, like, how cluttered my mind had been um, and just so disconnected for so many years. And I don't know, there's something about your aesthetics when you start to remove those things and your obsession for like sort of owning and like safety. I think that's what a lot of it is. Like we think like the more we collect, now our world's perfect, now our world's safe, now we can concentrate, now we can focus on people. But you, like you never get there. Um, and it, it really does take sort of the simple but hard work um, to kind of carve that stuff away. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's given me um, a, a contemplative approach to life that I had never really had before. I love that. Yeah, something we wanted to be really cautious of when we were preparing some of this too is the recognition that simplicity is not just um, a burden on the rich. Uh, it, it actually really has no bearing on how much you own, whether you've, whatever, um, you know, category of wealth you feel like you throw yourself in, um, this temptation to be consumed by what you have uh, seems to affect everybody on every single tier. Um, and so we wanted to, to um, our first, we want to land on a couple practices that we would zero in on. Before we do that, uh, Dan, wanted to give you an opportunity to share a little bit about this outpost that you have a vision for. So for those new to the church, one way that we, we're, we're a family of neighborhood churches. So there's three of things like this. And then underneath that neighbor, we're one church, three neighborhood congregations. And then we're this network or we want to become, I should say, this movement or network of outposts of ways that we together are being the church. And one way is through home groups or home churches. Another way is through uh, helping people realize the vision for mission in their heart and then give them a platform of services for them to be able to press in to those things. So giving, being able to give people resources, give people coaching, give people space, uh, uh, literally physical space, design if needed, to go and chase down different missions. Um, so maybe you're here and you have something in your heart that you'd love to see started. Uh, we really want to put church and the power in the hands of the people where it has always belonged. So Dan has this vision for this outpost that we wanted him to share related to this topic of simplicity. So do you guys feel in some ways like you see God the most in nature? Uh, I, I think a lot of us do. And uh, that's always been a thing for me. 
like, even in the midst of, like, a lot of crazy points in my life, my default was nature. It just always settled me. It, it's like that was like my church for so long. And uh, grew up camping. I was in scouting my whole life. And um, even when I, like, moved to the cities and stuff, like, I couldn't help but go back, but go back. And this, like, equal love for, like, ocean and the woods. And it's interesting in this series on rest, uh, kind of taking all these disciplines, right? Like silence, solitude, Sabbath, and kind of fusing it with that platform. I, I think so many of us want that, but we're like, oh, like, yeah, yeah, I want to get out there. I want to do that. I want to connect with God. But I was like, what if we created a platform where we could do this as a community together and just be enriched and explore and tell stories and go deep and be healed? Because like, that's what nature does for me. I, I remember just like hiking with friends and literally like from when we started to like 10 minutes in the hike, they were like a different person. They were opening up, they were talking, they were sharing stories, they were getting so vulnerable. I was like, there's something here. I was like, there's something so beautiful that you can open up like that in ways you probably couldn't in, in like four walls like this. So for me, it was like, what's this gold right here? How can we do this together as a community? So. I kind of came up with this idea of taking the ocean and the woods, like the backdrop of Rhode Island, and call it Wooden Wave. And basically, we're interacting in a way. If it's the ocean, we're surfing, we're swimming, we're doing beach cleanups, doing these like fun activities together. If it's the woods, like we're hiking, we're just like exploring together, climbing, whatever it is, um, having this fun moment together, but also working in these disciplines together like sharing stories and journaling and having like silence and solitude and breaking off and telling stories at the end of the night. And I don't know, I just started to nerd out about it. I was like, I, I love this and this needs to happen. Like I need this more than like anyone else. So like, I, I gotta bring my friends with me. So I was like, let's, let's make an outpost. So Andrew started getting excited about it. And I was like, this, this has gotta happen. So uh, we've got a little community kind of forming around it, but like, I wanna invite you guys into this space. Um, I think it, it'll, it'll be very healing and transformative. Wouldn't wave. <laughs> so a couple of things that are going to happen is uh, a retreat in the next month or two. Uh, they're nailing down the date right now. And, um, and creating these spaces that both will be for something we announce, for instance, at Sanctuary on a, on downtown and say, hey, we're going to have a retreat. We're going to be going and doing this for the day or for an overnight. We're going to be going through these spiritual practices. Uh, I've seen some of the liturgy Dan has put together. It's just phenomenal uh, of helping people, uh, helping all of us slow down, get recentered. Of um, any of you who've ever just been on any kind of spiritual retreat, any sort of retreat grounded in the way of Jesus, but that is bringing in more than just information, helping you experience that space in a holistic liturgy. Um, that's what this will be about. And then there's also kind of a mission uh, part that's being developed uh, by Dan, by the team, trying to think through how do we help folks that would never even have access to be exposed right. to this, to be able to go out, uh, take a day, and learn about the way of Jesus, grow in the way of Jesus in those kinds of spaces. Um, so Amen. we want to land this thing with giving you, if you're taking notes, or if you aren't taking notes, take notes now. Um, there's a few practices of how do we think about simplicity, how we think about having this inner world developed in a healthy way. And these practices come from Richard Foster, who wrote a book called The Celebration of Discipline, which I highly recommend. And he wrote a small book on simplicity that we're going to have available next week back at the Next Steps Bar. 
Um, but we're going to kind of go through, and I asked, Dan's going to wax poetic on a few of these. I'll talk for a little bit on a few of them. But I'd love you to write these down as you're considering what are the kinds of things that I could do, next steps that I could move further into becoming an apprentice of Jesus in the way of simplicity. So the first one is buying things for their usefulness rather than their status. Buying things for their usefulness rather than their status. Um, my, uh, my wife uh, went down to New York City uh, with a couple of friends last week, and they went to the, the Rose Mansion. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the Rose Mansion. Um, it's about as awesome slash vapid as you could imagine, apparently. No offense if the president of the Rose Mansion is here today. Um, but she, all she described about the place, without like taking too many digs, was that it was like the whole thing was set up for selfies. Like, it wasn't even like they, they if it, it was sort of under the allure of we're going to have a wine tasting around Rosé, but really what it ended up being was simply like just cool places to sort of like take a picture and to kind of just signal like, hey, we were here and uh, it, it, we're an in, I'm an influencer. It screams like Instagram influencers. And if some of you have no idea what we're talking about, you are already on the road to simplicity and healthy and whole ways. Sure. sure. I say this in that we know this, right? I, I preached the other week and I had a champion shirt on and someone like called me out for it. Like, oh, you, you're sponsored by champion now? I said, I wish. But the idea basically of like how we think about buying things, that we're careful buying good products, buying things that are, are of good quality that make sense. Uh, this isn't a dig against fashion even, but being aware that we can buy things for things way more than they're um, creativity and art and beauty are good, but keep in mind when we are uh, going overboard of uh, buying things, not thinking of their usefulness and considering clothes only for status and considering that purchase only for status, considering that automobile purchase only for status, because that is one way that we begin to clutter and saturate our lives. This isn't just, I really enjoy this product. Dig a little deeper. This is everything to do with the way that we're signaling to others. Uh, the second one Foster says is reject anything that's producing an addiction in you. It's right here. It's the phone. It was a joke. I was holding up my phone. It's just signaled that this is an addictive device. It's humorous. This is serious. Uh, Pastor Rick at Sanctuary North is way more holy than all of us. He just got rid of his smartphone oh. and he went with a flip phone. That's holy. He did it. Actually it's actually so annoying to text him now. Impossible. <laughs> Frustrating beyond belief. But the idea was basically, he's like, I don't need this. And frankly, having, like, my wife just deleted all the social media icons off her phone. She can still get access on her desktop, but throughout the day, she cannot just go click and punch. What are the things that have produced addiction in you that you need to carve out, trim down? How can we think better about those things because we realize they have an addictive pull? All right, and a third habit from Foster that Dan's going to get into, developing a habit of giving things away. Yeah, so... Um we love to possess things and call them our own. Like, I feel like it's a very, like, Western thing. Like, we, this, this is mine. I purchased this. I have some sort of ownership over this thing. As if it's not going to fade away. As if, it, if this is actually yours. Um, but I think there's something really cool about, like, this voluntary poverty for a moment. I've been reading, like, a lot about, like, St. Francis and stuff lately. Like, this radical, like... The more you love something, imagine giving that thing away. 
like how liberating that would be. And I've actually like kind of done this before. Like I've, I've recognized like the few things I've owned, even as I've tried to become more minimal, like the things I actually do have, I actually am like kind of obsessed with, like whether it's like a pocket knife or a compass, like, um, and I was like, it actually hurt me to give this away. Like I actually like this stupid thing this much. And uh, I've like tested that before. I was like, oh, someone's like, oh, I, I really want that. Like, and I was like, oh my gosh, this would be a perfect time to give this thing away, to be liberated. Like, can I do this? And it's crazy. Like the few times I was able to do that was so freeing. And it's actually kind of addicting. Like you give that thing away, like, oh my gosh, I want to do it again. I actually want to do it again. Like I'm lighter for this. Like I, I'm, I'm freer. Like, and like, look how happy they are. Like that feeling was just so awesome to me. So yeah, like that just idea that like, you don't really own this thing. You might be stewarding it for a second, but right. the more you fall in love with it, just kind of, if you can release that, that's amazing. That's really good. I love that. I need to do that. I'm like a pack, anyone else a pack rat? I like store things. I'm like, I might need that one day. That's evil. Yeah. <laughs> All right, number, another one from Foster. You, you make, you're taking notes? These are so good. These are so good. Buy things for their usefulness rather than their status. Reject anything that's producing an addiction in you. Develop a habit of giving things away. Learning to enjoy things without owning them. Develop a deeper appreciation for creation. You should take this one, Dan. I'll fuse those two together, actually. So, so I love free stuff, but uh, I think that's really cool when you can like cycle things through. So one thing we we're trying to do like in our community is like look at our possessions together. And like, you know, obviously we love the early church. Like they lay their possessions down together. Like we love that idea, but I was like, oh cool. Like what if like we actually looked at each other's stuff and like, oh, I need that thing. I'm not gonna buy something new and just pass it on within the community. Like I love that. So you're never like grabbing too tight to it. It's just always in motion and you're not spending the money on the new thing. But even things like, I don't know, enjoying beaches that are free, like the library, take that book. I'm terrible at this. I love buying books. But like, I love that idea. Like there's so much free stuff out there. Like don't claim it, just pass it on. Um, gosh, and the creation thing, I mean, that's, that's a wooden wave right there. <laughs> Get into nature. I, there, there is something about taking that walk, being, being in the woods, like being by the beach where you're like, oh, like this is enough for me. Like, like it, it really does make you slowly stop thinking of stuff like, wow, like there is so much to feast on in this world that is just there in this natural beauty. So yeah. good. Uh, obey Jesus's instructions about plain and honest speech. Letting your yes be yes and your no be no. This has less to do with consumerism or stuff, but has so much to do with the inner heart. This has been critical for me in this season of realizing how much I am so concerned with how this will come off or this will be received and padding things or exaggerating things, making more of something or less of something than it really is. It actually produces a messiness and a busyness and a clutteredness in my heart. And so I love that Foster included this. Like just obey Jesus' instructions about having plain speech and honest speech and clear speech. And then lastly, reject anything that breeds the oppression of others. And this one is so brutal. Dan touched on this. 
It's just so hard. But how do we become mindful consumers? We're commanded in scripture to, to walk humbly with God, to walk humbly, to love mercy, to, to, to do justice. We're invited to be humble people, merciful people who are, who are interested and serious about biblical justice. And so, so much of the food world, so much of the things that we buy, so much of the systems, the, the, the water that we swim in have has so much to do. There's so much injustice in it. So much injustice in it. And, and, and so we need to just be mindful. And, and uh, there's, I've, we've passed these out before and let people know about them before. I didn't generate a list for today, but you're all mindful consumers enough. There are so many sites out there with one Google search that just help you, apps out there that help you. I have one just called Do Justice on my phone. And it's just something that you can like look up products and become a little bit more aware as a consumer of what am I buying and is this good? Who, is, who made this? What brands are involved in this? Just becoming somebody who's a, a little more aware of when we do purchase, are we purchasing things uh, that are, are just, that aren't contributing to the oppression of others? And before you get it twisted, you don't need to like shop at Whole Foods. It's not the only way to do that. But to become mindful is to just simply be more aware that you're part of an integrated world. Whereas followers of Jesus, we wanna honor the image of God in everyone. And that means in what we buy. Um, so I, I leave, we leave those with you. And as we head into kind of a final moment to get together of reflection, Dan and I wanted to invite you just to take a minute to jot something down. I, I, my, my bet is that you've agreed with most things or, or maybe the economists in the room are like, well, be careful with this, 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 because it can go too far. That, shh, rest for a moment. Let's take Jesus's words seriously that Dan reminded us of, of where am I not considering the birds and considering the lilies? Where do I not trust that God will take care of me? Where am I so distracted and so anxious and I'm willing to go to medication before I'm willing to Sabbath? I'm willing to go to meds before I'm willing to actually carve things out of my life and to be still. What are the sorts of things that I can just begin to lean into in this next week. Don't go from zero to 100, right? Don't go from like completely shaven to beautiful beard. Do that. <laughs> if you join Wooden Wave, you actually get a beard. You, you actually all have to have beards and they give you flannel That's and true. then you... <laughs> I think I'm really funny today. No one else You're thinks so. Uh, thanks. thanks. You're always um, Don't go to zero to 100. What's the next thing? Don't do what you can't do. Do what you can do. What is the next step that will help? Because in all of this, this is about being more aware of the King that is with us, being more of this aware of the Spirit of God who is in all and through all. This is about just carving things back so that we can remember and put our trust in God. He says, give us this day our daily bread. And so there is no magic bullet. And the reason why, I wanna read this last piece to you, the reason why there's no law, and these are the things you must do in order to walk the way of Jesus out. It's that there is this invitation to simply be single-hearted for Jesus, but sensitive to the tough and complex things that we walk in in this world. That we can have focus without dogmatism, obedience without oversimplification. 
and depth without pride. It means to be aware of all the complex issues and all the ways some of us may work this out in different ways that we are asking, how do we put Jesus at the center? How do we receive all that we have as a gift from God and know that it's God's business, not ours, to protect ourselves? It's God's business to lead us into the way of life. And we don't need to take the wheel as much as we do. So let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I pray that your spirit would fall in this moment. That in acknowledging you as king, you being the one who, who shows us what it is to live life to the full, you have shown us, Lord, that an abundance of possessions doesn't work with that. That if we're gonna be people of rest and people of peace, Lord, we need to not be consumed by what we consume. Not be consumed, Lord, with the newest car or the newest record. Not be consumed with the newest media gadgetry and not be consumed with the latest shoes. Lord, this affects the poorest among us, sometimes even worse than the richest among us, Lord. We wanna be people who are single-minded in our pursuit for you. Single-minded, Lord, in what we seek first, which is your kingdom. And so may we not get trapped in law right now. May we not get trapped, God, in just trying to get it exactly right. May we have our hearts focused in on, I, Lord, want to live a more life full of blessing and beauty and truth. I want to walk more justly and live, Lord, more humbly. And so I pray, Lord, your spirit will fall and you would show my brothers and sisters Lord, you reveal even those folks in this room, they aren't followers of Jesus, but they resonate with this. Lord, help us move further onto the path of simplicity, further into discipleship, further, Lord, into being who you called us to be. Let's take a moment just to write whatever we need to write down, down, to mark whatever we need to mark. Spirit.